You are now listening to the Dynasty Rewind. Welcome back to the Dynasty Rewind, everybody. I'm your host, Michael Bauer. The best in the business is back in business. We have one of the best in the business here tonight. Before we get to a very special guest, let me introduce my faithful co-host and our our head of scouting here at the Dynasty Rewind. We got our very own Nate Christian. Nate, good evening. Good evening, Mike. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited for uh, who we have on tonight. I'm very excited because he's been a, a leader in this space for a while and someone I've been looking up to for about a decade now. Yeah, and we don't do a lot of guest spots on the Dynasty Rewind anymore. We try to keep it, uh, you know, in-house. It's the way we like to do it. So you have to be somewhat special to get a guest spot here. And he is. We got our, we got, I almost said our very own, but we have Matt Waldman on the program today. Matt, how are we? We're doing pretty well. And I, you know, I, I feel special, even if I'm, <laughs> even if that special may be a, may be a, it could be a pejorative term with me sometimes. So, um, but I certainly appreciate you guys having me on. It's an honor. Of course, of course. And, you know, hey, tis the season. You'll be hearing this over the Christmas or holiday break, whatever you celebrate. Happy holidays to you and your family. But we're almost getting into scouting. We started really early last year. I don't think we're starting as early this year, but we're going to have some fantastic prospects broken down on this channel. And for more, the guys that you don't hear, you know, we, we do a lot of the big names here. But if you want that good stuff, patreon.com forward slash Dynasty Rewind. You'll find out about the next J- Jalen Warren. Who else did we talk about on there last year, Nate? It was Jalen Warren. Oh, yeah. Chig I mean, and Conquo was on there. Oh, good old Chig. Yeah. Yeah, great. So there's going to be plenty of good stuff over there. But who better to talk to about scouting than the master, Matt Waldman? So, Matt, before we get into it, I have one question. Did you have any formative training in this? Did you sit down with any scouts or did you just kind of figure it out on the, on your own there? So my, my, I would say that from a football perspective, I had no formative training from an operational perspective of how to create, um, an evaluation process. I had probably about 15 years worth of training as an operations manager and a quality director studying, um, what really are the best practices for evaluating performance. Mm -hmm. And then I just ended up applying it to my love of football. And that process really helped me because it was rooted in ideas of how do you continue to grow? How do you define things in a manner that you can continue to get better at, at the subject that you're evaluating? And so that worked out really well. And I think in hindsight, when I look back at when I started back in, you know, I started publishing it in 2006, the rookie scouting portfolio. But when I, you know, the year and a half, two years before that, when I was really thinking about how I was going to do this, in hindsight, I look back and especially from feedback I've gotten from scouts and um, people who work in in the league who have said to me the process was way ahead of what you see um, or what we see that's normally known as the NFL process. And a lot of that's because they've made up theirs as they went along. They were football people who were strong mm-hmm. in football, but they didn't have operations um, training. I had more operations, you know, business operations and quality um, control type of training. Um, and 
being able to do quality management and business operations management for a while, that really, and getting exposed to some things that I had to get certified in, you know, that my company would have to pay a fair amount of money to, to have me do and then implement that on a management level and see it, see how it succeeded, where there were areas that you could tweak it, I think really helped me as being my own, you know, implementing it for myself and yeah. growing within a completely different subject. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So like compared to football stadiums, they had Lambo. They were building it brick by brick over the years and they had something nice together. But you over here with Jerry World. <laughs> <laughs> it's, cool. You know, it's funny. It's just funny how it works. I mean, you know, you don't know how it's going to be when you get started. You just you just try and, you know, for me, I'm I'm fortunate to have been able to build a business doing this. And I think a lot of it is being able to blend my experience as a fantasy writer and starting up at the time that I did where fantasy just really started to get hot on the internet. I was there just before that wave really started to crest and that helped get my name out there. And on top of it, I was growing as a scout and developing that as that wave was cresting. So I think that that was right place at right time along with some hard work. Yeah. It's always good to be ahead of the curve too. I mean, there's a lot of, and you know, a lot of people, sometimes they come to to me for advice, say, I, I'm thinking about starting a podcast or doing this or that, but the market's so saturated. My advice is always do it. If you think your voice is different, you have something to add to the conversation, then do it. I mean, there is, I'll be honest with you guys and everybody out there listening and watching. I didn't think this podcast was going to survive COVID. You had so many people that started a podcast. Our downloads just absolutely plummeted. But look, we stuck with it. And we came out on top and those little startup podcasts, they're not with us anymore. So that's part of the process too, is just, you know, you have to think ahead when you're scouting. And for me, when, when it's scouting, I look at it from a practical, you know, what can they do on the field? And then I apply it to fantasy. That's how I kind of go about things. I don't have any, I don't have any training either. I'm just going off what I see. But um, Matt, walk me through your process. How do you start, you know, is it just like a name? Do you do you see a box score and somebody that stands out and you're like, I need to look at this guy? Maybe you look at some game logs, like, all right, he's been doing this consistently for a while against good competition. You know, you know, what just walk me through it. How do you start with a player? Sure. And part of for me, part of my process, I have to go back to starting with the actual process of how I evaluate any player, which okay. is um consistently putting forth having defined criteria of what it is that I'm looking for at each position. So like each position, you know, I specialize in the fantasy positions for offense. So each position checklist that I have has anywhere between about 70 to over 100 points of criteria that are actually defined in writing and weighted in value. Um, and it's done on a 100 point scale. So I'm consistently, as you can see in the background, taking notes of things that I may implement a year, two, or three years later, as I'm kind of testing some things while I'm doing work that I'm publishing out there so that I'm not testing on the final product at that time and going, well, I'm going to try this this year. You know, I'm going to try that in the background. Um, but reading coaching manuals, reading, um, you know, read and not coaching manuals on X's and O's. X's and O's is a great silo that lends towards studying the game, but coaching manuals on positions. Like how Jay Norvell at Colorado State, who used to coach 
um, you know, all the Oklahoma receivers that came out and all the Indianapolis Colts receivers like Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne, how he teaches releases off the line of scrimmage or Drew Lieberman and his work at Sideline Hustle and defining all of that. But then once I have, I'm always tweaking that and taking notes of it. So that's continuous. And then I'm implementing some things over the summer. And then when it comes to players, you know, I will, I will get lists like the, um, you know, like many of the draft guides that, or many of the college football guides that you see, um, you know, out there, Phil Steele's is obviously mm-hmm. a great resource that yep. all media use. And I'll, I'll get those. Um, I have some friends in the industry who will give me some lists of things that will be, that are kind of their own first look at players um, across the board that I can go off of and look, and then even something like Lindy's, I, I'll, you know, I'll get a look at those guys too. So what happens is I will, I will try and scout seniors first. I will try to wait on quarterbacks until probably around this time of the year. Um, And just because I'd rather see, I like to study quarterbacks and do at least three to four games in a row um, and then maybe revisit them again. But I'd rather have a, 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 a wealth of games that have already been played to see what's going on with them because it is a position of a high amount of variables that you got to look at. So I'd rather wait, but then I usually watch running backs, wide receivers and tight ends during the summer. I'll look at seniors first or players that have such a high profile that I'm pretty sure that they're going to come out that year um, and have a good, you know, have a good feeling about that. And I usually watch anywhere between, you know, two to four games to start with. And then I'll watch maybe another two to four games, maybe more in a second run when I look at those guys. So I'll try and get through about 50 to 60 players by like October, um, try to get to, you know, probably 90 to 100 players by the end of this month and then finish up my when I'm not doing fantasy football. Um, after that, I can finish up with the, the remaining 50, you know, 50 or so players that I'll look at between then and March, early March. So as I'm watching players, yeah, there's, I usually focus on one player at a time. I used to do maybe multiple players at a time, but I find that um, just emotionally, it feels like um, it feels tough to watch like a quarterback, both two wide receivers and a tight end in one game, because it feels like I'm never going to be done. Um, It's like watching that uh, 2020 LSU LSU team, you could watch any player on that team. You could, and you would spend probably two days to, to finish one game if you're doing yeah. it, you know, in, in a lot of detail, like the way I, I, I have this checklist and I'm looking through. So I'm tracking, I'm looking at that. And if I notice players, I write them down and say, I, I noticed something that caught my eye and I look up on the list to see if there are anybody that that people have mentioned. If not, um, I'll write them down and add them to to a spreadsheet of like players that I have listed that I want to watch. Um, so I add them to that list um, at the same time too. Um, you know, when it comes to, to studying them, um, the, you know, with each of the positions that I study, I have, you know, the checklist that I talk about that's in a yes or no format. And if it's a yes, it's a weighted value that comes with it. If it's, if I haven't seen it yet, it's marked no, because the way I've learned that, if you just put not applicable, you have to decide whether you're going to give them the points or not. And I decide to approach it from the philosophy. It's best to, to say the player has to prove that he's done something, done the thing that you want to see, as opposed to assume that he can do it. Um, so 
that's and that helps me so that maybe towards the end of my valuation process um time you know that window of time before i start to write the book i look back and look at things like well what are things that i haven't seen yet then i can go back and instead of watch you know another five or six games to look for this thing and study each thing on the checklist i can watch those five or six games just looking for these five or six things that i haven't seen and see if i've seen them repeatedly during in that span of games and and that way i can either know well i've only seen this once in like six games in one play or i've seen him do this five times in one game because they schemed him differently and he was had the opportunity to do it. That tells me there's some consistency with his game. So I take notes. I write up my reports while I'm watching the player and checking things off with certain players like running backs and quarterbacks. I also, I actually track my own charting of things. So like for quarterbacks, I literally have a matrix of Literally, like what I look at for quarterbacks is a matrix to, to look at their accuracy. Everything's graded in terms of did they have the right amount of velocity for the throw? Was the throw pinpoint accurate by the Bill Walsh definition of like, is it where it's supposed to be based on the route and the location of the defender? Or is it area code accuracy or what I call general accuracy, which is it's catchable, but it's more that the, the throw wasn't I optimally placed based on what you want for the NFL relative to those conditions. And for every, I, I grade that for um, throws against zone, against man, against, and then for regions of the field, like, it, you know, certain short in the middle of the field, short in the flats, short in the, in the um, sidelines and then same with intermediate vertical and deep which are 14 yard increments from where the quarterback throws it not necessarily from the line of scrimmage and i track all of that on every game that i watch for quarterbacks and then i i basically add you know i i, calc I have that added up on a spreadsheet so that i can show you the percentages relative to say like nfl um next gen stats do um, when they show like what's the average completion mm. percentage for certain distances and certain types of throws. And so I show that relative to that pre projected percentage so that you kind of get to see that. And I do the same thing with running backs in a way in terms of how they're breaking tackles. So because because, you know, like when you look at some of the stat services that are out there and they're, they do great work. But one of the things that can be missing is, again, they know football, but do they know operational processes? And mm. when you think of like. A good example is like Saquon Barkley is a great running back. And I'm not just saying that because Mike's wearing a Penn State t-shirt, uh, <laughs> you know, sweatshirt. But, you know, Saquon Barkley is a great running back. But are we getting an accurate picture of his yards after contact when someone slaps his thigh pad at, uh, as he's running past them and they give him credit for an 80 yards after contact? Yeah as opposed to someone like Nick Chubb, who I don't have my Georgia shirt on, but as a, as a Georgia alum, you know, I would say as opposed to that, Nick Chubb, you know, basically getting hit in the backfield by a defensive tackle and dragging him eight yards, mm -hmm. which one is a more worthwhile depiction of yards after contact. They're both great backs, but which, which one is more about power in that, if you're weighing it that way. So I, I break out things like whether it's a hit, a reach, a wrap, who's doing the hit reaching and wrapping. And so that that way you can kind of judge that too. And so I combine all of these factors. These are the things I'm tracking when I'm watching tape. And, um, you, you know, so that's really what my process looks like in terms of just watching players and going about it. Mm -hmm. So I have a question 
first off the back, how long does it take you to scout one player? For now, like for instance, I watched four games of Jake Hayner yesterday and that okay. started say like at, you know, one o'clock in the afternoon and I got done with other things that I had to do in between or some taking some breaks. I got done at about two o'clock in the morning um, yesterday. Um, so it took all day to study one yeah. player. And I find that um, when I don't have things to do, what quarterbacks can take usually all day to scout like a few games for wide receivers and running backs. It can, I can usually do two or three in a day, depending on how, what I've seen and how much I've seen. Mm -hmm. So when you say you watch a game, you watch an entire game or do you have, so that you'll watch the broadcast film? version of I, that i watch um i watch i used to want when i got started i watched broadcast okay. um then when youtube came along i watched cut-ups of every play right um so i still take broadcast because it's always worthwhile to make sure that i have a library of games because mm -hmm. um, right. i don't ever want to have any resource that i have that provides me coaches tape to say Hey man, you know, our relationship to be able to give you that information is over. We're sorry, no hard feelings, but we just can't do that anymore. And then I'm going, well, I can't watch anybody because I didn't, I didn't tape anything. So, um, or if YouTube just decides someday that unilaterally they're going to take away everything off of YouTube, well, that um, would suck for us. It, it would be awful, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. the, the idea of scary, right? Mm -hmm. Well, as someone who's making a living doing this full time as an independent scout, I mean, if that happened, I, all I could, you know, I would have to lean on others or just really hope. And well, right now I, I'm able to use a resource where I, I'm getting a chance to watch, um, you, you know, coaches tape um, on a regular basis and I can, and they're cut ups and it's, and it saves a lot of time. Um, you, you know, if that day I, I still like, I literally have hard drives that are attached to my, my um, direct TV. I still have direct TV because they they get the most amount of games so i attach a hard drive to a, a seven terabit hard drive to the um to the tv and tape everything possible and then and probably go through two to three of those hard drives every year um and save them and and if uh just in case because just in case because you know i mean unless i want to Unless I want to start Ubering like pretty quickly and I've been doing, you know, I'm doing this 18 years. So I'm 18 years past my qualification as a, in operations management with the things that I used to do, things have changed. So I'm either, you know, going back into journalism and writing and I'm, you know, that's not going to, that's not going to do the same as what I've been doing lately. So, so yeah, that's kind of how that works. That I'll tell you what, that's, that's something I, I wish I had the time to be that thorough. I, I try to be as thorough as I can. Usually, like today at lunch, I was scouting players because I'm trying to get ahead. So I was watching some Muhammad Ibrahim film. So I just go on YouTube and type in like Minnesota offense verse. You know, I try to see everything like, are they blocking? Does he run any routes? Newsflash. Um, he's not going to be heralded as a great receiving running back, I don't think. Nope. No. It just, it looked very unnatural to me. Uh, but that's really, I mean, that's the best I can do, to be honest. But that's good. Story. Yeah. And I did that for years and right. that's, and, and that's, that's something that, you know, I still lean on. Like if, if the, there's a lot of times that there's tape, I can't get a hold of with like FCS guys like Tyler yeah. Badgen. I think that's how you pronounce his name from Shepard. Who's the quarterback. Yep. I'm going to, he's going to the senior bowl. 
I have no tape on him from like the sources that I will use. And I don't know if I have any tape on him. Probably not from the get from broadcast. So I'm just hoping that YouTube will have some of these games and I'll be watching those games just like you in that same way. Yeah. And you know, I always get asked, I don't know about, I'm sure you do too. Like come draft season, somebody hit my DMS. Hey, what do you think of super obscure player? Have you scouted him yet? And I'm just like, well, who, who is that? First of all, and <laughs> what school does he play for? And then they'll tell me, and I'm like, find me some cutups of something and I will gladly give you my opinion. And then we'll talk about it on the, the Patreon or whatever, but you know, it, it's tough. Sorry. I blanked out for a second there. Forgive me. I That's do okay. that. It's been a long day. Hey man, I understand. <laughs> so, you know, okay. I'm going to say this. One thing I respect about you is you have your process. You stick to it. I'm sure you will happily admit when you're wrong as Nate and I, you know, we own our, our no, always, but always. what I've noticed about you is you do not subject yourself to narratives. You say, this is my guy. He's my number one. I'll give everybody out there an example. You were really high on Skylar Thompson this past season. Um, so can you tell me like what, what would put a player like Skylar Thompson above other quarterbacks that declared for the draft as well? Like what did you see in his game? Yeah. Well, part of it too, is this, is that, the the luxury that I've been able to build because my vision for this was I wanted to study tape and I wanted to avoid the narrative thinking because after my first year of doing this, you know, and I relative to where I am now, I knew nothing, <laughs> you know? So my first year, I remember studying a running back out of Arizona by the name of Mike Bell and Mike Bell, you know, he was an, he was okay considered as a prospect, but you know, he wasn't going to be on any top 10 lists uh, at the position, but he, I think he was fifth or sixth or seventh on my board after I watched him. And I thought, well, whatever, what do I know? I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm an aspiring fantasy writer who's in his first year trying to scout players. And two years ago, I remember trying to scout Steven Jackson on my couch, you know, with a beer in my hand and, and a notebook watching TV and waking up three hours later as he had like had a huge game, hadn't recorded anything and my cat's on my chest, you know, as I, you know, and the, and the notebook somewhere, you know, off, off on the floor, you know? So the, for me watching, you know, studying players, I realized that after watching Mike Bell, he, well, he not only made the Denver Broncos as an undrafted free agent, he started that year. He was their starting running back by the end of camp. So I thought, okay, so, I want to be able to study players that cuts through all the narrative because obviously people watch the game differently. Like people, there are people in our NFL draft circles that are big media names who I'm not going to mention by name because I don't want to, I'm not trying to attack them. What I'm trying to do is be realistic. There are different ways that people study. If you're studying 800 players in over the span of a year, you cannot realistically look at them in detail, every single one of them. You just can't. You won't be alive, mm. you know, it just, because it's, you can't, you wouldn't be able to sleep, you, you know. And, and as someone who people say that about me looking at 150 players, I know that's true, you, you know. Um, so they study a different level of that. Now they know things about these guys, like they know all the narratives. They and and it's entertainment. Part of that's entertainment. They know that they're entertaining. Like their job is to provide the soap opera of like, 
well, this player, could he be the Heisman Trophy winner? And what is the Heisman? And he's on the ascent and he may have, he's transferred here and his story is really fascinating. And then the media feeds off of that and it gets viewers. And that's the, that's the surface level. Now they doesn't mean they don't know the deep end of the craft. They had to, to get there, mm-hmm. but they, they also have other demands. Someone like me, I was like, can I build a business where I know I'm not going to have a, a, a face for TV. I know I'm not going to be young enough by the time I know this for them to want me on the air. Um, and can I do it in a way where that I can use my irrational, irascible personality in a, um, you know, to my benefit as opposed to that. And what I could do is to just say, I study the tape. So a guy like Skylar Thompson, um, when you, when I watch him, you know, if he grades out well on film, that's great because now I have a pre-draft version that says, this is based on talent. Mm -hmm. This isn't based on character. It's not based on, you know, there's some injury stuff that I, I put in there, but other than that, I'm not looking at anything other than what I see on film. And that way I can give you the goods of that. And then in the post-draft version that I put out a week after the NFL draft, that's part of this draft package, then I can look at draft capital, look at the roster fit and things like that. So Thompson wasn't my number one quarterback overall after the draft, but he stayed high enough because when I watched him, what I saw was you know high-end accuracy, layering throws, Good work being able to work in in the manage the pocket, um, great work managing the pocket, you know, and consistently doing that over game after game after game. And I have the luxury now; I didn't have it before. It's still hard. It's still hard because when I grade that, can I curse on the show? Oh yeah, okay, of course. So so then I'll just say because to to be like as blunt as possible. After I watched like four or five games. And I knew he was going to have a pretty good grade, even though I started looking around after that because I hadn't heard anybody talking about him. And I usually don't pay attention until like later on because I just want to know what's what's coming for me in terms of like public response when I post some of these guys because I oh, know, I you know, and, and that's OK. But I, I want to know at least I want to be somewhat prepared. Um, so. You know, I remember grading him and I looked at the grade and I was like, oh, fuck me, because this guy's <laughs> going to be like he's 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 by far and away the top guy on my on my board. Um, and so then I called up some people I know, like Chad Ryder, and I called up Russ Landy and, um, you know, who's the, the head of NFL scouting um, or U.S. scouting for the Alouettes and a former scout and called up some other people I can't mention by name um, who 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 are in scouting circles and just said i really like this skylar thompson in fact i like he's i like him probably better than anybody and i heard it was interesting you know some of them were like well i'm gonna watch because i know you so i want to watch this guy now and you know i had one person say one person range from like oh man like like that's awful and then i had somebody else but then what was interesting is that i had two there were two scouts and then russ and a couple other people who were like, who were like, I get it. I like him. And then there are a couple other people who were like, I talked to some other scouts about him and they said, I have, they have him much higher than what the board has to say. And somebody else I know told me that a head of an analytics group um, or a head of analytics for an, a major college football team had him number one overall on his board as well, Um, which was fascinating because we came from completely divergent ways of looking at it. Um, You know, Um, so, so yeah, um, 
so when it comes to that, but I've learned, I've had the luxury of, or maybe not the luxury I've earned over the years being, having different takes with people and how, and knowing that it's hard to, to, to deal with early on when someone, you know, when you have Nick Chubb, number one over Saquon Barkley by a hair and people are looking at you in the first month, first months of the, of the preseason and having people calling you out and saying all sorts of things. And then literally like, and I've had this happen, which is unbelievable, but I've had people who've done that literally apologize to me equally publicly and say, I'm subscribing to you now because of this. And the joke's been now that like, you know, how do you become an RSP subscriber? The first step is to think I'm nuts and think (laughs) I suck at what I do. And then the second step is to watch and see what happens. And then the third step is to go, Oh, okay, maybe I should check this out. And then they become lifetime subscribers. So that's kind of, (laughs) that's my joke. That's kind of my little joke with it. Yeah, it works. Matt, you know, he has a question for somebody. He calls up like actual NFL scouts and everything. I'm like watching Purdue film and I'm calling Nate at 1030 at night. Like, yo, Payne Durham, man, he's going to be something. (laughs) To be fair, (laughs) Mike called me two years ago and said Payne Durham's going to be something. I just laughed at him. And now he's actually someone that we're going to scout this year. See, there you go. And that's awesome. And that's part of the process because I didn't know anybody either. I mean, like what Russ Landy says is this. It's hard, you know, we know it's very hard to be an NFL um, player. It's unbelievably hard to become one because it's the, you know, top three, one to three percent who actually become starters in the league or major contributors out of all football players that have played the game. Well, apparently, statistically, it's harder to become an NFL scout than it is to become an NFL player. And it's harder to become a media scout than it is to become an NFL scout, at least from the odd standpoint. I haven't looked into that, but that's what Russ Landy says. And he teaches scouting and has been a scout. So uh, I'll lean on him because okay. I trust him on that level for sure. Perfect. Well, we I want to say, oh, sorry, Matt, I, I have based my scouting concept in the same way where when I grade a player and Mike, Mike will back this up and he'll, he's left me many times because of some of my rankings, but you know, the film grade is what I have. And I have my film grade outside of any narrative, outside of any draft capital. And then when we get to actually fantasy football, you know, before the NFL draft last year, I had, or two years ago, I had Puka Williams as my RB five. I thought his vision and patience were great. I loved what he did behind the line of scrimmage, but he was also super skinny and small and only had nine toes. So he, you know, it was going against him. And he was obviously undrafted and barely even made it on the Bengals squad. But, you know, I still believe that he looked good on film as soon as he was undrafted. And even before that, I knew he probably was going to be undrafted. You know, I'm not going to draft this guy in my rookie drafts, my dynasty league first right. round. But I still believe that there's talent. And I know a couple of years ago, I knew that you were a real big fan of Tyson Williams. And yeah. we liked Tyson Williams as well. We liked him yeah. a, a good bit, not not quite as much as you, but we we liked him too. And sure. he ended up playing for my Ravens, and you know, looking decent outside of just he couldn't get out of John Harbaugh's doghouse. Well, it, you know, it's fascinating how that works, and part of it too is I think the root thing for anybody who wants to scout is that it's really good to ignore what other people are doing um, mm-hmm. throughout your process because mm-hmm. you don't know their process. They, they'll share you, they're going to share you the tip of the iceberg, but they don't, you're not going to have no site other than outside of their own is going to show you everything that they do. And they may not want to show you everything that they do or, it's but it's just, some of it's boring. Some of it's just 
you know, it doesn't fit what they're, they're about. But here's the thing. You're not going to learn how to do this without making mistakes. And Great. you want to know what your mistakes were. And the only way to do that is to, is to hold on to the things that you did yeah. and base it on that. Because otherwise, what, if you're like listening to Lance Zerline one year and you're both wrong about one player and you listen to me the next and we're both wrong about that player, well, Lance and I might have completely different ways of looking at that position. And you have no idea where you went wrong. But if you have your own way, you can look at that and go look back at the at several players. That's how it really should work. Mm -hmm. Is you look back at several players and go, I'm consistently getting this wrong. I'm consistent. This is this is an area that I see that was very clear that I just don't grade right or don't didn't see with the full amount of information and perspective that I needed. So that's extremely important. But yeah, I mean, you get and there's things that happen to players that you just, that you can't control. Yeah. So there are going to be times where maybe everyone will tell you, you were wrong about this player, but if you watch them and you feel, and you know that your process has been right about these things with players for years, but the player himself looked and he fit into that, but it's not showing up. It showed up on tape, but then maybe something else was going on. You can't control that. So Tyson Williams is a great example mm -hmm. because um, Tyson Williams looked like the Tyson Williams I watched who was, I think, my number eight or number nine running back that year as an undrafted free agent. And when he made, he not only, you know, when he got the starting gig because of the two injuries to Dobbins and to Edwards, yep. you know, Harbaugh was like, you're my, you know, I love watching you run. I heard him say that him coming off the field. First game against the Raiders, first half, he looked like Tyson Williams. The second half, he looked like a back who was afraid not to fumble. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of an interesting thing, just a little interesting story. As I asked Russ Landy about that on air uh, a few months ago and brought him up because I was like, he's a good example of a player who just looked like something happened. He lost confidence. He started running scared and very cautious and not and overthinking everything. And Russ said, he goes, well, we can't say this for sure, but this is something I've observed a lot is that when rookies get an opportunity to start, sometimes they're also on the same depth chart with veterans. And those veterans who are brought in due to injury are usually on one-year contracts. And they are usually former starters with a high rate of pay um, as their minimum who would mm -hmm. like to keep their paycheck. And the only way they're going to keep their paycheck, probably, if there's two of them, say Devonta Freeman and Latavius Murray, um, is one of them's probably going to get to really be the starter because they're not going to put the other one on special teams. They probably haven't played special teams in years. But Tyson Williams has, you know, or would have to, and they would be okay with that because he's cheap. So if you're a veteran and you're watching this rookie have the starting gig and he's starting to play well, and you want to make sure you're on that team. He said, one thing I've seen veterans do, and we always hear about the veterans who help the rookies, okay? What we don't always hear of is the veterans who say, hey, kid, come here. Let me tell you something. Man, you're playing great in this first half, and it's awesome. But just, just trust me. I want to help you with this. You know, But I've been doing this for 12 years or 8 years or 10 years. Make sure you hold on to that ball in the second half. Because if you fumble, your ass is going to get cut. 
you are not, I mean, they, you will not see the light of day. I know what the coaches are telling you, but trust me, I've seen guys come and go out of this league and, you know, I'm one of you and they will do that. And I'm not saying they did that with Tyson Williams because I have no proof of that, but Russ was saying that he's seen that played out. And Mm -hmm. so and I could see a path of where Tyson Williams completely lost his confidence because it was like night and day from the first half to the second half. And when you start making mistakes on top of it and playing cautious and each thing starts to land side, suddenly those coaches who look at you and go, see, he's under the lights. And now that we've got the real games going, he can't do it. And now he's bounced around the league. And that yeah. kind of thing does happen. It just goes to show how multifaceted football is. And talent can mean the world, but it's got to be the right situation, good coaching, chemistry just within the players. There's so many different things, and we can only scout so many of those things without being in the room and interviewing those players and talking to the coaches. We're just watching film. Yeah, and that's why at the end of the day, if you if you that's why I love to with my pre-draft guide, I can just study film and say, listen, one year, two years, three years, Raheem Mostert's case, even though I didn't study him, seven years down the line, you might have a guy who who literally comes up on your waiver wire because he's starting to play well. And you can go back and look and see what was studied about him that had nothing to do with the narrative. What did he do well? You know, that way you can, when you rank, cause rankings to me, I hate rankings. So when you look at them, you can, you can look at and go, you know, I remember ranking David Johnson ninth on, on my board. And I, but I wrote in there, I said, listen, he's ranked ninth, but if he, you know, most of the schemes are, are zone running schemes. Mm-hmm. So in the NFL at this point, if he finds a gap scheme, which means if he lands in, in Indianapolis or Arizona, he could be a pro bowl player and be at the top of this board. You know, he just has to have the right fit. To me, that's way more valuable than, oh, you put David Johnson ninth. Yeah. You know, that's, you know, and so, or or if your grade of the ninth rated player is as high as players that you graded, you know, in the last year's class, he would have been, you know, if you just stuck him in that last year's class, he might have been number three. Mm-hmm. Well, that tells you that, you know, look at, look at 2017's running back class. There's 14 players I listed on Twitter today who were like good, like at least good. And 11 of them are still playing at a high level right now, either as high-end backups. The lowest guy is Samaje Pirine on that list. You know, he's yeah. the worst guy on the list of 11 right now. And that's not the count Chris Carson who's out or Marlon Mack who still, you know, had that that AC, you know, um, that Achilles injury. Mm-hmm. Tariq Cohen who had two, nin- oh, two yeah. knee injuries. Yeah, but there are so many other guys. So if you took somebody from that list, you took Jamal Williams and put him in this class with what he's done, you might not say he's a special back, but you go, he's a good prospect. You know, you would have liked him as a prospect based on what you know about him now. So those things are important because what I I have fantasy players every year, they're always like, can I just get the post-draft of what you do? Because you want to look at the narrative and the fit and all that. And I go... I know that's the most valuable thing to you, but in the long run, you're going to like the pre-draft more because in a year or two, when you've forgotten all about my post-draft rankings, you know, or there's like five players who nobody cared about, suddenly two or three of them in week eight or week seven start to play well, and you go, who is this guy? And you go and look it back up and go, oh, this guy's got a good fit here. And Mm -hmm. this, and they... 
They think he's pretty good. And he might help you maintain a winning record for three or four weeks. And now you're a number one seed in your playoffs. Or you can, or now they're going to him in the playoffs because he's a um because he's going to be their starter as the team is, you know, dealing with somebody else. And now you've made a pivotal difference with your team, even though he wasn't a guy you drafted early in your rookie draft or in the first three or four rounds. So that's where the value often comes in. And it comes in an NFL scouting the same way. I mean, whoever picked up Raheem Mostert was probably like, we yeah. see something in that guy. Mm-hmm. I know he's bounced to seven teams, but obviously there's something there. Or we remember scouting him seven years ago. Um, he, at the very least, we know he can be special teams for us. And at worst, he fits into our system with what we like. If we have to give him a shot, we can lean on that because we're not – we have to scout players who can do multiple things, and that paid off handsomely for the 49ers for a stretch. It did. Yeah. Uh, referencing the tweet you put out today, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Kareem Hunt, Alvin Kamara, James Conner, Leonard Fournette, Joe Mixon, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, Dante Foreman, Samaj P. Ryan, and Marlon Mack, Tariq Cohen, and Chris Carson as undrafted guys. So, yeah, that um, the 2017 running back class, definitely special. For sure. And a lot of these guys still relevant. You know, I mean, Alvin Kamara, especially. And then uh, Mick asked, I believe this was the year Howie Roseman took Donnell Pomfrey in the fourth round. Yes, Mick, it was. I remember. (laughs) I was not happy about the pick in case anybody was wondering. (laughs) And a buddy of mine was like, oh, but look at all the yards he ran for. And I was like, do you see this guy? He looks like he's still in high school. I'm like, we made a bet. I won the bet. I said he's not going to do anything in the NFL. But hey, Donald Pomfrey is a Super Bowl champion, as is Nate Gary. So, um, Matt, before we get out of here, just one last question. I'll just combine these into uh, the one. So, what are some rookie red flags, just things that stand out to you as I'm off of this player? No, thank you. And, uh, you know, what are some mistakes that you make when you're scouting players as well? Sure. Well, with red flags, some things like for quarterback, if a player completely turtles under pressure, that's not there. Like literally drops their eyes, drops their shoulders completely. Like looks like they're encasing themselves to prepare for a hit that never arrives or doesn't arrive for another second because they perceive pressure to be there. That would be a, that would be a killer. That would be one where. Oh, Matt, you, yeah. Uh, watching Travis Etienne film did did you recognize that he a lot of times he would kind of spin away from contact yeah sure sure you know like for for me that i know there are a lot of people who if they put their back into contact Mm -hmm. that's usually a killer um i i don't necessarily subscribe to that as much because you if you have a space player you can fit the guy into space and say all right he and a lot of what the nfl is doing you're fine but yeah, for that wide receiver tracking the football, if a player can't track the ball over his head um, and and isn't able to do that, that can be a killer. Sammy Coates is a good example of a player who had real trouble with doing that. Um, you want to see guys who track well, or do they have to leave their feet every time a ball is at their chest or above? Do they extend their hands first before they leave their feet? That's usually a sign of a tracking issue. Um, some things that... I have often made mistakes when scouting players. I mean, over the years for me, some of the things would include not giving, you know, I had to learn a lot more about um, release footwork and release handwork 
and um, certain aspects of route running skills. Um, so I early on, I often made mistakes of looking at highlight worthy catches and having more weight on like the catch point than I did on the um, the actual technical skills to get open. Um, you know, so putting more weight into the mechanics of route running was important mm -hmm. for me. Another was you can get too, if you can also put too much weight into smaller things. And those are things I've had to learn from, which is like, there are a lot of people who are great evaluators on Twitter in the public space who, if they, and they have a coaching background, for instance, or an X's and O's background, and they'll either, you know, what can happen is that, and I've been guilty of this part of it is where you see players who don't aesthetically make the best decisions as running backs increases guys like Etienne or guys like Miles Sanders or um, players like Tevin Coleman. And, and while I wouldn't be necessarily say they can't play, I would, I didn't judge the fact that what they do well can fit in the NFL in the right system and give them high level production. They didn't have to be Frank Gore as a decision maker mm -hmm. to be good in the league. They could be far less than that. It's kind of like saying, I put it this way. Um, the best, the best analogy for it would be this. You have pop musicians and then you have jazz musicians and there are a lot of jazz musicians who are studio musicians who can play any kind of music that's out there. And they're often playing in the studio for these pop musicians who, from a knowledge-based standpoint, they know this much in their pinky compared to mm -hmm. what the, the musician who's backing them up knows in their hand. Um, but it doesn't mean that they still don't can't produce a great product, even if it's with the help of other of so many other different facets like marketing, their looks, um, the right type of song written for them, um, the charisma that they project on stage, and then a great band backing them up that can probably play a lot more than what they're doing with these three chord type of things with the yeah. with a, a trump track beat. Well, you know, Tevin Coleman to me is an example of, you know, I'll say it, it's like someone like Taylor Swift. He's like the Taylor Swift of like, you know, of running backs at the time when he was in Atlanta. Doesn't mean that he's a he's a bad player. It just means that relative to Frank Gore, he knows a lot less than, uh, you know, than, than a guy like Gore, who Gore would be more of like the Thelonious Monk of running backs or, you know, somebody like that. So it's a, it's a different story. I right, don't hate on Taylor Swift. Though. I'm, I'm not about that. <laughs> I'm not a Taylor Swift fan. I'm sorry. I'm like, not my cup of tea. I don't listen to her, but I mean, I respect the fact that she's done as well as she has. That's for sure. Yeah. She is fairly local to where I live. She's from Bucks sure. County. So there you go. There you yeah. go. You know. She actually writes her own songs, unlike a lot of the other pop stars. Sure. I, of, I do have a lot of respect for that, though. I love musicians that write their own music, mm -hmm. obviously, and I love analysts that will stick to their own takes. And there you go. Matt, that's one of the things that we respect about you, to be honest with you. You know, you, you have your process, you stick to it, but you're not afraid to admit when you're wrong. Same like same as us. So we got a lot in common there. So, Matt, before we head out, I want to say thank you again. Why don't you tell us what you got going on? Promo your podcast. Promo everything you want the people to hear about. 
Well, let's start with the with the RSP film room on YouTube. It's one of the longer running film rooms that are out there. Um, you you know, I probably have over six hundred pieces of, of videos up there, where I from you know short form to long form. I'll watch with different people. Sometimes I'll just do my own type of work there. But you'll get you know examples of how I scout players and what it mm -hmm. is I'm looking for. And you get I even have a, a growing video glossary that will be showing up on every criteria point that I study these positions on. You'll have that's video examples. I appreciate that because um, that's new and that's going to even have that in podcast form at my site, www.mattwaldmanrsp.com. So that'll be growing. Um, on top of that, the RSP cast itself, every Monday I do a, I do a fantasy show with Bob Harris, the great Bob Harris called Feel It or Fuck It. We've had yeah. Bob Harris on the show before. Bob's Bob awesome. Is my dude. He's he, great. Me too. Me too. He's he's one of my good friends in this industry, and he was someone I looked up to getting into this. Um, so it's fun because I look older than he does, but he's older <laughs> than me. So, um, but uh, but um, that's my dig at him. But the but there we do that. I do a show with Felix Sharp of Campus to Canton oh, every other Felix week. And oh, love Felix. Yeah, Felix love is those awesome. guys over there. Yeah, he's awesome. So we talk about. He, he gives more of the narrative and, and the things that are going on with the players that I'm about to watch maybe in a year or two. So, mm -hmm. we, so a lot of my listeners can kind of stay up to date with, um, up to date with that. And then I give scouting reports on some players of what I've been watching. Russ Landy and I do an every other week's show on just the nuts and bolts of scouting, um, front office management, um, the business side of the NFL from the standpoint of personnel decisions um, with players, not contract stuff, just really nuts and bolts of like player techniques and some things that we like watching with these players and what we're thinking about these players as time goes on. Lori Fitzpatrick of US uh, of um, of TD Wire, she and I do an NFL mm -hmm. show every other week. Adam Harstead of Football Guys, he and I do a, a film and data show, um, something that Dwayne McFarlane and I used to do together. Now it's Adam, but Adam's more theory based, so it's more like it's more like practice and theory. I would say it's probably more what it's like for Dynasty, and Adam's just fantastic. Um, so those are that's my lineup every every week um, for the RSP cast. You can find on any outlet. And then, of course, there's the Rookie Scouting Portfolio, and it is available for pre-order. Um, it's available for $21.95, um, and it'll be available April 1st like it has been for the past 18 years. Um, and you get the, you know, you get a pre-draft and post-draft with it. The pre-draft gives you rankings. Um, it gives you rankings on, on, on at least 150 players at the skill positions, complete breakdowns. It takes you through all the criteria we've been discussing today. You get even get a chance to see it in a glossary, but it also takes you through kind of breakdowns in an entertaining fashion of like facets of games where they stack rank against the players stack ranking against each other thoughts in the beginning of the chapter on each position in their draft history, and then really in-depth profiles on these players as well as cheat sheet rankings. So you can just get the highlights if you want to look at the cheat sheets. And then the post draft gives you positional fit um, based on the depth chart that they're with and the con some contract values or contracts of players so that you can see all right, well, this guy is probably going to be third on the depth chart, but the two players ahead of him have one and two years left on their contract. So maybe he's got a chance here, um, you know, and talk about what I think about those players. Um, and in addition to good fits and bad fit studies, and then a cheat sheet that is literally um, my thought, my re-ranking of the player based temporarily on their fit and talent versus where I've studied the ADP 
of of drafts just after the NFL draft. Um, and I give you a comparison. So, for instance, if I like Patrick Mahomes a lot more than maybe the, the consensus, but I wasn't saying draft him 1.01, the ADP says you could probably draft him at 25. So why not draft him at 17 or 18 or 19 um, yeah. and get the extra player? Um, so I'd show you those sweet spots of how to get players. You get a newsletter with it. Um, that comes June through December, previewing next um, the next year's class occasionally, as well as commentary on the rookies of this year's class and updated rankings for the past three years. And that's all available for $21.95 at mattwaldman.com. And a percentage of that, um, well, a, percent, a, a portion of the proceeds now, um, up to $5,000, goes to an organization called Darkness to Light. Um, D2L.org, they're an organization devoted to um, preventing sexual abuse of children through educational programs in the public. Um, they were at Penn State, um, you know, and they, they you know, Penn, that was great at Penn State to be able to do that and to get, you know, someone to be able to do with that training. Michigan State, I think they've done some work with them as well. Um, and, uh, you know, they teach adults on not only how to prevent abuse, but also how to handle it because it's a common problem. You know, there are people who denigrated Penn State over the issue that they did and understandable that, you know, they took some criticism, but it's a societal problem because mm -hmm. even individuals, when they're trying to help of someone who's been victimized, don't know how to do it and can inflict more trauma as a result of it because they yeah. don't know how to handle it. So they train people on how to do that, individuals, the civic groups, the universities, anybody. Um, and we've given um, over $55,000 on behalf of the RSP to this organization since 2012. Wow, that's Fantastic. awesome. That, I mean, that's that's amazing. That's great. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm on mattwaldman.com right now. I will be pre-ordering my RSP. Well, here. I said to go get my wallet so I could do that. Um, <laughs> but Matt, thank you again for coming on and hanging out with us. Um, you could find Matt Waldman on Twitter at Matt Waldman. Easy enough. Um, yeah, so it was great. Do you have anything else you want to say before we head out? Just thank you very much for having me on. And it's fun to be able to just talk about process and things like that. Yeah. And not just players, but um, I'm looking forward to hearing what you guys think about some of these players. And we'll we'll catch up down the line. Yeah. absolutely sounds great so just hang out here for a little bit i'm going to read some commercials i'm not going to make matt suffer through that but you have to as the listener so for our special guest matt waldman my faithful co-host nate christian i'm your host michael bauer until next time everyone be kind please rewind thanks for listening And wasn't that just, that was just amazing, wasn't it? The Ladies and gentlemen, Matt Waldman, let's hear it for him right now. Just want to give a big shout out to Matt for coming on the podcast, chilling out with us, with me and Nate for a little bit. So tell you what, give you just a little bit of an inside scoop here. Nate was so motivated after this. He is completely revamping how we do scouting. I'm not going to give you, I'm not going to give too much away right now, um, but it's going to be a game changer. For us as analysts and for you guys as listeners and viewers of this podcast. But, you know, until then, everybody, I just want to remind you, 
Get ready for best ball pickums and rivals. Use the promo code Rewind on Underdog Fantasy and get a 100% match on your first deposit up to $100. Headed to a game? Go to SeatGeek.com and use promo code Dynasty Rewind to get $20 off your first ticket purchase. Have that first stadium beer or soda on us with your savings. And we want you to be part of the best community in fantasy football. Become a rewinder today. Get access to rankings, bonus pods, written content, and so much more. Now offering a 10% discount on yearly memberships. It's almost like you're getting a month for free. Guys, easy money. Come on. Bonus podcast from me and Nate. Zach does a weekly podcast. You don't want to miss it. Until then, everybody, be kind. Please rewind. Thanks for listening.